Hi, listeners. Before we get to the episode, we want to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. This decision could also lead to the loss of other rights. To learn more about what you can do to help, go to podvoices.help. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Hello there, my name is Jenny Vasquez Newsom, and I am the guest host of season two of Mission Megaphone, a podcast production of Growth Network Podcasts. In this season of Mission Megaphone, we are amplifying the overlooked leadership experiences and expertise of leaders of color. These conversations will challenge traditional definitions of leadership, disrupting the status quo by centering the skill, ingenuity, and capabilities of impactful BIPOC-identifying leaders from across industries. And my guest today is Andre Darmanin, founder and CEO of Urban Equity Consulting, which is focused on organizational change from an equity lens. And I am so excited to dig into all things leadership and get your experiences, expertise, you know, everything that you bring to it. I'm so much looking forward to digging into this conversation with you. Thanks for being here, Andre. Thanks, Jenny. I'm really excited to dig in and and just get our conversation started. Yeah. Well, I figure we could start pretty broad um, and just tell us a little bit more about what you do. What does that mean to organizational change from equity lens? What else do you do? Really just anything that could help us understand your your work. Yeah, no, thanks for that. You know, let me just get started by how I formed this organization. So I come from an urban planning background and uh, I wanted to, I've always focused on racial and social equity. But I've always thought of it as a systems thinking approach. I wanted to see how each area is influenced and and there's different aspects of how, how we change our organizations. So, you know, I didn't want to focus just on urban planning. I wanted to focus on how do we influence change, not only from the top down, but also from the bottom up. Because for myself, I grew up in social housing and, you know, seeing it from, from that lens, to say, hey, you know, look, I've experienced racism as, a, as someone who's biracial, okay. uh, someone who, you know, had different experiences in school and, and all that. And as I go through my career, one of the things I said to myself, you know, as a, as a planner is, I'm actually the person who's influencing that change because I'm part of the system. And so because of that, um, I said, you know what, if I'm gonna be part of that system, I don't wanna be involved in that. I wanna be that person who says, look, leaders, you need to step up and be accountable to the decisions that you make. And also with the people who are not only the planners, but also in other areas of an organization, whether it's human resources or et cetera. And so so I thought to myself, look, I have this opportunity, I have this platform, so why not do that, right? And it all started from a blog, The Urban Strategist, where I focused on those areas. And then after that, it became urban equity consulting, where I just said, okay, look, I really like the organizational change aspect. I like the system change aspect, but I wanted to take it from an equity lens because we need to become more equitable in our systems and our policies and our programs. And it transcends not just urban planning from what, from my initial background, but also with health, basically everything, right? Every part of an organization or the type of organization, there's some sort of equity that needs to be involved. So I said, hey, I'm available to to do that work. I have that experience. I have the engagement experience. So I said, 
why not throw my throw my hat in the ring and say, hey, this is what I'm passionate about and this is why I do the work that I do. Thank you for sharing and for naming a little bit of it. Actually, a great lead into my next question, right? a little bit about your like origin story. You know, how did you get to this point and really, you know, referencing back and kind of growing up um, in those experiences and how that's shaped your lens even today? What would you say are some of those like critical moments that has brought you to this point? I guess I can hearken back to a time where I you know, here I am working in transit, transit planning specifically. And I said to myself, why aren't we looking at the experiences of those riders using our transit system? And the response that I got was, oh, we don't do that here, or it's too risky to do that mm -hmm. stuff. And this was, mind you, long before we talked about the need for disaggregated data. And that moment still resonates with me because as we've known with organizations in the past, there's always been the reticence or the, the hesitancy, if you will, to do the harder work, to make people uncomfortable. And I've always been someone who, you know, for a lack of a better term, made people uncomfortable in the sense that we need change. Change is uncomfortable. Being accountable is, is being uncomfortable. So with that, and this is, mind you, like I said, this was about 10 years ago. And I, you know, I always said that maybe I'm going to be that person to lead that change, right? So that's from, you know, and seeing it from the perspective is, as I mentioned earlier, of the fact that I've experienced it, not only using the system, but being part of that system. And I have that platform and the ability to say, hey, I can see things from, from a different lens as someone, you know, instead of someone who is from the from the majority, if you will, or what I like to say now, the global majority, the white people that have part of the system, the, the white privilege that exists, etc. And so that's why I want to say that that's how all of that resonated with my lived experiences, my professional experiences, and that's how I got to where I am today. Just to dig in a little bit more from your experience, what do you think the reticence is about really, I mean, kind of thinking about the transit system, thinking about like including kind of the marginalized perspectives in ridership and like experiencing transit and accessing transit. And then again, like this goes much more broadly and really equity work um, in all different ways and in health, as you mentioned. From your experience, what would you assign like the reticence to? Like, why is it so hard? <laughs> to, why is it so hard to move past the discomfort into progress? Well, first of all, within these types of systems, they're very technically driven, you know, whether it's transit, urban planning, whether these technical kind of jobs, you know, they're they're focused on a system that is very narrow, very rigid, and they don't want to have change from other areas. They want to look at it from these are the facts, right? This is what the data says, and they take it from a general perspective. But from my perspective, I look at it from a people centric perspective, a human perspective of these are the people that are experiencing the services that we provide. Whether you're a consumer of, of goods, whether you're a rider on transit, whether you're in the hospital getting healthcare, they're experiencing those services from the lived experiences, but yet you're talking about it from generalities. So there's that hesitation from the people who don't want to make that change. So that's where we need to make that change to make it a more humanistic perspective of this is how our this is how our system should be working and take them into perspective in, in terms of how we deliver our services. 
So that's where I've seen it in my career. And this is where I feel that change is necessary in order for us to deliver real equitable services and more inclusive services, you know, no matter where we are and also within our organizations that exist to take those lived experiences into account of how we how we deliver policies, how we deliver programs, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So reflecting on your career, your experience, your expertise, how would you define leadership? A lot of different answers to that question, but how would you define leadership? First of all, as as you know, with your how you've done things over or what you've mentioned over over the time, you know, it's like leadership has always been defined by the white people, right? And I've been, as you know, I fully have agreed with you in, in terms of who has been writing this, right? And we've been following this through school, we've been following this through, you know, on on people who do LinkedIn. But the fact of the matter is, is it transcends race, it transcends class. It is more about how you define yourself, how you present yourself in the organizations you're with. And, you know, even when you're volunteering, it's professional development. It's being in those scenes where you're seen, basically, for a lack of a better term. And so that's where that leadership comes to play. And to talk about it broadly, too, leadership isn't by name because that's the thing. We're stuck on the higher work and higher archical, sorry, uh, organizations, right? Where everything is about titles. And uh, let me let me backtrack for a minute too, is one of the things that, that I've learned over my career and my life is that there's something that we call status anxiety. And that is basically because of the fact that we're focused on status, we're focused on titles, right? But you don't need to be, especially whether you're in a flat organization where everyone has the same duties um, with a little bit more responsibility here and there or, or not, you can move away from that status anxiety. And that really defines you as someone as a leader, is someone who just, no matter what your title, you know what your responsibility is, you know you're accountable to the work that you do, and you know that you're, for lack of a better term, you're leading those initiatives so that you make your organization better, but also you make yourself feel good knowing that you are part of that solution. Yeah, absolutely. Have you, in, in kind of the work you've done with organizations within and without, like kind of in the consulting work, have you seen good examples of exercising leadership in that way? Like, have you experienced that? Have, or have you been able to lead in that way in, in spaces reimagining leadership from this lens? Because yeah. it has been, you know, predominated around hierarchy, around like status, position, you know, formal authority. Uh, how have you, have you seen it play out? And what has that been like? You know, so for instance, I can go to a certain scenario where I took the initiative to do what we call an impact assessment. And that was based on my experience. But I was able to say, hey, look, we all have different experiences. And I'm not here as a senior person of the organization. I'm here as someone who can help guide you into this process and also guide you in terms of how do you how is this part of the bigger picture, if you will? And so getting everyone on board to do that is something that really defines leadership. And so then you talk about it from the perspective of, hey, what does it look like from a strategic perspective? What does it look like from the organization perspective? You know, what are they trying to do as an organization? How does that fit in? And that, again, is not based on title. You're the piece of the puzzle. And so 
those types of scenarios where you're able to bring your lived experiences to the to the position and given that space to do that is how you define being that leader and, and having that ability to to make that change and being accountable for that change. One part of that I always think about as far as like leadership is, you know, like facilitation, like you are facilitating, you're helping to support you're a piece of the puzzle, not the solution of a puzzle, you know, uh, really kind of knowing that we're all connected in, in that, that opportunity to, to lead, to, to bring about change, to probably make progress, all those aspects. Have you experienced um, at any point in your career, kind of in your trajectory, moments where that approach, that philosophy of leadership, the definition has been inhibited, that it hasn't been supported by an environment or it's been hard to lead in that way. Uh, what have those experiences been like? How yeah. do you navigate that? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and as I mentioned earlier, Jenny, when your career has been influenced by people who don't want to change, right, your, your setback for so long, your confidence level goes down, you're frustrated, you're stressed out, there's burnout from all of that, right? And so the things that happen here is you need to find ways to motivate yourself, to get that support. And there are people out there who will, who understand you, who will support you, and who will f help you find ways to get around that. You know, I've had that experience in my career where I've had people say, mm -hmm. Look, Andre, you're, you know, you're on the right track. Maybe reframe it this way or maybe just sit back and, you know, there have been different scenarios in that case. But in my case, I've had people who have supported me, who have listened to me, you know, and try to get out of that mindset of being negative and being put down. Right. Because in a lot of professions, there are people who are leaders who don't want to change, who just want to sit in their hands and collect a paycheck or or go for retirement, that kind of stuff. And so, and that's the frustrating part is we want to make change. We want to help the organization, but the leaders who don't want to do it, as much as we try and influence that, they just want to remain with the status quo. And that's the frustrating part about leadership is that, you know, there's a lot of people who want to remain with the status quo. And so overcoming that, getting the support, getting people who can, who can mentor you, those who can sponsor you in the, in the work that you do and move on from that. Right. So that you can gain that confidence and not allow those situations to hurt you within your career and you become resilient in the end. And that's another part of leadership is is being resilient in those scenarios. Yeah, that's something that as you're talking, it kind of struck around uh, the agency that we still have should keep mm -hmm. like still own uh, because otherwise you know, then it can be like when we have those moments of feeling inhibited and what we can mm -hmm. offer, what we can bring, what's the worst thing that could happen is that then it shuts down, then it goes in, then it's not, you know, then we can't, then the status quo continues. But if finding those ways, finding those resources to keep fueling, keep you know, moving, I, that really resonates for me. And also I want to add is that, look, I'm not a perfect animal where I haven't faced adversity or I face negativity. Look, I've, I've had my share of, of mental health issues, right? And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. And that's because of the fact that the earlier, the other earlier point about status anxiety, about succeeding, success mm -hmm. is always something that someone has in our minds that's been ingrained in our minds, as well as, you know, the burnout from always wanting to, 
to succeed in an organization and then always getting shut down. So, you know, how do you give space for yourself? And that's something that I've learned over my career is that, you know, it's easy to jump and quit. And yes, I've done that too. I've jumped and I've quit a job because enough was enough. But there's other times where it's like, okay, maybe that's not necessarily the, the answer. It's you can find another way to do things, right? And that's why I, you know, for the time that I quit, I said enough was enough. I didn't really have that support system, or at least I didn't seek it. Now, in this perspective, you tend to seek out those people who are there. But also we have to remember, especially as black people, as people of color from the global majority, we need to have sponsors in the room who talk about us, you know, in the rooms that we're not in. We hear that phrase all the time, but that's that's truth because that will save you from always fighting for yourself alone. All right. And that's where that's the most critical part here is having those sponsors who talk about you when you're not in the room, who who brag about you, brag about the work that you do, talk about your experience and saying, give this person an opportunity because he or she or they will shine. So, you know, you get, that's that whole resiliency factor. And, you know, getting from that mental health state and getting from a state of bad mental health, of depression and all, and, and what came with it to the moment of, of what I have now and those lessons learned and getting that support system. So that's what I can add to, to what I've said. Thank you. Thank you for being real about the experiences and about leadership and the complexity and, you know, the toll that navigating some of these spaces can really have. And so I, I appreciate that, like the layers to this, the complexity of, you know, resiliency, but then also the costs, you know, like what, yeah. how can we think about our own career journeys, our own leadership journeys in a way that centers our well-being first uh, and, mm -hmm. and then leading towards, you know, the change we want to see. And so I appreciate you for, you know, I think that's one of those things that, you know, with, when we talk about leadership in the traditional sense, you know, leaders have all the answers, they have it together, they, all these aspects are just not realistic and also not that meaningful. Like it, it'd be much better to be real and, and lead from a, a space of being ourselves in totality. So I appreciate you. <laughs> no, no, thank you. I, you know, we don't express ourselves as, as much as we should. Sure. We do it within our circles, but sometimes in, you know, in these types of spaces, they could be cathartic. Right. And, yeah. and even if someone is watching us or listening to us, they will hear that, Hey, I'm not alone in this experience. And my okay. leadership journey is not perfect and it'll never be perfect. It'll never be a straight line. There'll always be bumps in the road, but as long as you have the support system and, you know, I say you're that support system as well with your untapped leaders, right? You, you know, I'm giving you a plug right now. <laughs> I'm giving you a plug. So, you know, the work that you're doing to support the black, indigenous and, and global majority people, people of color in this space and how they become leaders, right? You're a perfect example of what you've seen in your career and how you want to change the definition of leadership. I've said it to you many times and I'll say to you in, the, in public, you are, <laughs> you are an inspiration and you are someone that I've followed for the last, you know, three or so years in terms of the work that you've been doing. And I'm right behind you. And you know, we have a, a long list of people that are right behind you. And I could say so much and I don't want to leave my time, but still at the same time, it's like, Jenny, you're that person. So yes. 
Thank you, Andre. That means so much. And I, I feel like we're alongside each other. Uh, there, there is, you know, I think this, this web of wonderful collective leadership happening in all our different lanes and all our different ways, uh, but it, that it's there, it's not going away. I could say all the same things about you. Uh, so thank yeah. you. So <laughs> to kind of really unpack a little bit more, because this is really kind of exploring leadership from a lot of different angles and then really thinking about it. You know, again, if we think about today, there's a lot of different definitions of leadership, uh, different ways of thinking about it, authentic leadership, inclusive leadership, empathetic leadership, you know, et cetera. But what, do you, what would you say is maybe still a common misconception about leadership, even in today's rhetoric, if anything, like, is there anything that we're not thinking about or we're like misperceiving as leadership, but it actually isn't, or we're saying one thing and something else is actually happening? I mean, I know we've talked a little bit about status position and the, you know, that, that I think we still have to unlearn quite a bit, um, but anything else that you feel is like a misconception? There's a lot to to unpack with that because, you know, as we talked about during our talk is about people define leadership by position, but also when it comes to leadership, how do we how do we define? And, you know, as you said it earlier, there's inclusive leadership, there's empathetic leadership. Leadership is fluid, right? Because of the fact that it depends on the situations that you're in. If you're someone who's going to be exemplifying leadership from an EDI perspective, you have to be inclusive. Right? You have to learn those aspects that include a leadership of collaboration, about, about uh, cultural intelligence, about courage. Uh, those are the things that partly make up leadership. And then there's going to be some other type of leadership where we're talking about from an organization, a large organization. We talk about transformational leadership and even that, right? So in those spaces, leadership cannot be defined by one style because you're in a lane and you're not going to deviate based on the positions. You have to be fluid in different situations. That's how I would define it, right? That's how I define being in those, being in those spaces and what's missing, right? Because, you know, yeah. we go through school in organizational behavior classes or something. We learn about predominantly transactional versus transformational leadership, right? But no one talks about adaptive leadership. And that's that leadership style that when you're in those situations, you're able to fluctuate between between different areas you you know for that that hockey term as for canadians who are listening the the you know stick handling <laughs> right stick handling to get to get to the net and score you know as much as i i'm not a huge hockey fan i just decided to throw that in but anyway <laughs> um, i like it <laughs> but yeah so it's the misconception of that you need to be one style of leader you need to be adaptive mm. to the situations that you're part of. And leadership, even title or not, it's a big job. It's a big responsibility, but you need to have the courage, be accountable to what you're doing, and ensure that you have, you have people that are uh, behind you that you can influence and you can change. So mm. that's where the misconceptions are, and that's how you get around that. Yeah, just thinking about your example around being a piece of the puzzle, but the, the puzzle is always different, you know? So you can't be the, necessarily the same piece <laughs> every time. So that, I appreciate that. So thinking across like your career or your, you know, just your own journey, who have been leaders who've inspired you? It could be everyday leaders, big names, you know, who, who inspires you? Who do you look to for leadership? Oh, that's a, that's a big question. I mean, 
Look, I can make you uh, blush and say you, but in reality, let's 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 be honest here. I mean, so I would say, I would say the person that really really influenced me and who I've become has been or was my mother. You know, she was a big piece of my life. She was the one who, who was the you know the protector, the one who who exuded her own leadership style, if you will in terms of getting the influencing part of things and also navigating the systems that we have learned to to be a part of, right? For for better, for worse. You know, that's who I think is the person that has influenced my career and my journey, especially making that transition and seeing that bigger picture and seeing how our systems are currently mm -hmm. defined have not helped us as a global majority population and that needs to change and that's that fighting part of it you know and there's other people that i've grown to 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 like and to appreciate in terms of their work i mean i've been doing a lot of reading about organizational change about how do we reframe organizations you know even people that i've recently uh, recently encountered over over my last little while. Like, I mean, there's a good colleague of mine who I hope to meet one day, uh, Amory Johnson, if he's if he's here, if he's listening. He makes me grounded, and we talk about various scenarios. And he, you know, he even texts if he sees something on there, he wants my thoughts. And also, if there's something that yeah. either one of us posts, it's like you know, you know, maybe you take a step back and you think about it, right? So. Even that is sometimes you have to, you know, you have to have people who, who basically do the checks and balances for who you are, right? So those are pretty much the people that I would say that are influential in my life and in my career for the last, I'm not going to say how old I am, but still for the, for the, for a better part of a, you know, half century or whatever you want to call it. But anyway, that's beside the point. You know, I, I love just listening and to answers to that question because it just amplifies all the ways leadership can be and all the way leaders can be in our lives, whether it be parents, family, social connections. It, it doesn't always, again, have to be what we quote unquote think are our leaders. It actually, the, the most impactful leaders are maybe in, in unconventional spaces, quote unquote, the different uh, spaces. So we've talked a lot, we're, this is really, around digging into untapped leadership, untapped potential, just overlooked perspectives and approaches from those that have been traditionally marginalized from these conversations, from the leadership spaces. What are one or two things you would want someone listening to this to do after this? Like, regardless of how they identify, how can someone uncover their own untapped leadership, untapped potential, and support others to uncover their own untapped potential? Like what, what would you say? What could someone do? You know, that's a great question and that can go on forever. But to, to talk about that a little bit, I think know yourself, know your abilities, know who you are and be comfortable and confident in who you are as an individual, because everyone is unique. Going back for a minute, when we talk about culture fit versus culture ad, Everyone has mm. to be fit into a box, but that is an old way of thinking. You need to understand who you are as a person and what you bring as an addition to an organization. So that's where you can untap mm -hmm. your leadership capabilities and know that you have those different skills 
and abilities and motivations and networks, etc., so that will make you a talent worth seeking and or being sought after, if you will, right? And I think a lot of people are stuck on you know the fact that oh nobody wants me nobody wants my my skill set and and i fell into that trap too when i was you know when i was down and out right but at the same time is i've had you know as we've talked about during our conversation is is you know when you have a support system that that sees your abilities and skills and who can support you and give you that confidence to to keep going right and that's the resilience aspect that's that potential. And of course, um, those are the things that I say are pretty important to have as a person and having those systems to say, look, we need to get these leaders or even not even just leaders, these people to bring out the best in them and give them the space to do so. And when you're in that type of organization where it doesn't allow you to do that, have the confidence to say, okay, I move on from them, right? There's going to be, there's mm. hundreds of organizations that are, that are worth my time, that can take my skill sets, that can build on my abilities, et cetera, et cetera. So that's something that, that I would say that is, is most important when we're trying to become, you know, looking at the potential for yourself and looking in, looking inwards to who you are and being confident of who you are. What would you say to the organizations or the organizational folks in positions of authority uh, that have the ability and the power to create systems that allow for untapped potential to emerge. Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe some of that discomfort, the reticence is there. Like what what would you say you have the mic? uh, What would you say to those organizations to ensure that we can really value the full potential of everybody. You know, what I would say to these organizational leaders is look beyond your own comfort zone. Look beyond your, your, I call it small network because it is a small network. Mm -hmm. Look to the communities that you've influenced over the years and seeing what has happened, being on the ground to understand that you could have been, you were probably part of that problem, but they will be the people that will provide the solution so that will make your organization much better and make you as a leader much better right so that is the most important thing that i find in that we need to you know it's a two-way street right leadership is a two-way street it's like i said earlier it's not even really about titles it's about how do we influence change together and listening to the people who are you know, whether you're an entry level person, whether you're a service person, whether you're experiencing those services, whether you're a, you're a patient, right? Take the, their lived experiences, because that's another part of this is that lived experiences is, is not even really taken into account in terms of how we deliver services. I can give an example of a project that I've been on recently where we've talked about lived experiences in terms of delivering healthcare services. Because black people, for instance, they have their own cultural traditions, cultural foods, right? And it's not just black people, it's you know, people who are from Middle Eastern cultures, from Asian cultures, et cetera. We just we generalize and not everyone should be put into a box, right? 
So that's why we start to look at that as that, you know, I've even talked about in my recent webcast where I talk about cultural intelligence, making the effort to understand cultural differences and that how we can deliver our services, how we can build better organizations. So as an organizational leader, don't just talk about the mission, the vision, et cetera. Work with what you have. Listen to the people that should that are within your organization. Listen to your customers. Listen to your consumers. And you'll be you'll be better off for it, right? You'll be seen as someone who who you know as an organizational leader, as someone who can actually lead, actually listens, and actually can change on a dime, so that you can you can fully understand who your clientele are, who your customers are, and you serve them the right way as they should be. That's right. That's leadership. That's actual leadership. My last question for you. What is your big ambition for this year, Andre? What's on docket? What are you excited about? What are you working on? What's coming up for you? Well, just basically growing my business, right? I mean, you know, I've had this business for three years and over the last maybe year and a half, it has grown and is it has grown substantially. And yeah, and I'm I'm looking forward to to meeting new people, gaining new clients, being on some more projects, and and yeah, and and influencing that change within organizations, right? Because I'm only part of the solution. I'm only that person who will will try to help leaders make that change so that it makes their organizations better, so that they understand their clientele, they understand who works in their organization, how do they build those programs that are beneficial to everyone in general. So those are the things, and of course too, mind you, you know, not only gain clients in Canada, but also abroad, right? And that's, and, and because I want to learn from those cultures that can help influence organizations like global organizations, right? And I'm not the only person who can do that. I can be part of a team to do that. So that is my biggest ambition is, you know, gaining those clients from abroad and building my business to, to loftier heights. That's what Urban Equities Consulting Services is all about. And expand my, my webcast even more. You know, so for folks that want to, that are listening along, want to stay in touch with you, uh, follow along, where can folks find you on socials? And if you could share a little bit more about your podcast and what you talk about within that realm as well. Let me start with the Global Conversations webcast. So initially the webcast was called Urban Equity Chats. And this time around, I wanted to rebrand it to focus on global solutions within an equity framework. Because, you know, as a North American society, we only listen to our voices. So let's listen to the voices of European nations, African nations, Australia, Asian countries, because they have different cultural experiences and how they have been able to influence their organizations and how they should be listened to in terms of how they influence change and bring equitable change within their organizations. So those are the conversations I've had uh, over the years. And of course, look who's here, right? That's what we talked about at the beginning, the reciprocal effect here, because I've had you on the webcast talking about inclusive leadership. Right. So. Uh, so, yeah, I need more people like you who are enthusiastic, who have been in those spaces and who can influence that change. So um, if there's anyone who's listening, who is a, a leader in uh, equity, diversity, inclusion, especially from a global perspective, and if you're listening from abroad, especially, by all means, reach out to me. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Andre Darmanin or Urban Equity Consulting Services. Urban Equity Consulting Services is also on Facebook 
Or you can reach me on Twitter, uh, underscore Andre Darmanin, underscore. And of course, on Instagram, where you can find Urban Equity Consulting there and my name, Andre Darmanin. So you can find me everywhere. Just look me up, just Google me. You'll everywhere, see. which is great. Everywhere. I'm so yes. glad. <laughs> and we'll add that all to the, the show notes for folks that are able to access that as well. But in the meantime, thank you, thank you, thank you, Andre, for joining, for sharing your expertise, sharing your experiences, and just sharing your life with the world, with everything that you bring. Um, I really appreciate you, and I really appreciate this conversation. Thank you, Jenny, and I appreciate you too. Just all that, all the work they've been doing, including this, including this podcast, and I look forward to hearing more of your stories uh, with the other guests. Thank you for this. I really appreciate it. 